you know, it's, it's phenomenal all the way around. And so I think when you're around things that are phenomenal, you become phenomenal. All right. Welcome to season two of save the track bike. It's been a while since we brought you a new episode. So I'm particularly excited about today's episode. Got Iman Lucas from specialized rocket espresso. This is the weekend after Milan, uh, Red Hook Crit. Let's see. It's been a crazy summer. Sorry that it's been so long since I've released a new episode. I've had a crazy summer as well. Uh, before we get to the episode, I do have some updates. We got a new sponsor. They're called the Bicycle Broker. Uh, based out of Denver. It's a bike shop out here. Yeah, let's see. I'm a state bicycles ambassador now. I'm about to build up a new Undefeated their new colorway. It's really beautiful. I can't wait to show you guys. I just got a new black label kit, which is like for the money is one of the best kits I've ever worn. If you want a discount on that, just go visit the Instagram or visit the website. You can find it through there. 15% off. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting how to podcast. So, uh, let's just jump into this episode. All right. Uh, well, my name is Iman Lucas. I'm 25 years old. I call Pacific Grove, California home. Uh, I'm currently located in Alkmaar, uh, Netherlands. And yeah, just uh, just a normal 25 year old guy that likes to ride bikes and drink coffee and surf. So what what are you doing in uh, the Netherlands right now? You're for your road team no. or? Yeah, so uh, in, at the end of last year, in the 2017, in September-ish, I signed a, a contract with the Dutch Continental team. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I I signed the contract with the Dutch Continental team. They're called Delta Cycling Rotterdam. And I moved uh, I moved to Holland in November and have my own apartment. I rent, uh, I rent a studio from Lawrence Tendam, who's uh, an old veteran world tour rider, and he's now like my dad and my mentor and my coach and my friend he's like six guys at once <laughs> uh, late. i i live in holland and i race full-time in europe this year and uh this full gas man it's, it's still not gonna stop until the middle of october so that's what i'm doing in, in europe i kind of want to get into a little bit about your history with cycling and and how you got into bikes all right well it all started with my good old dad jason lucas Pops, uh, he also raced bikes when he was a kid and into his young adult, uh, young adulthood. And when he was around 19 or 20, he actually was hit by a car and was in a coma for 60 days. And so any ambition he had of, uh, you know, going to the next level or developing into what he wanted to be was a pro, uh, ended because, you know, he just was almost dead. But the passion uh, stayed in the family or stayed in the blood, and he recovered well, and you know everything's well with my dad, and he's he's good. But when I was born, it kind of got passed on to me, and I, uh, from a young age, was I would say groomed. I was being groomed to be a bike rider, I think, uh, as he tells me now, and I think you know going back through all the the Tour de France stages I watch on TV and training stuff is that i read in books or he would have me read because he ended up being a personal trainer and uh had his own gym and his own facilities and so it was just you know really just in my in my life ever since i was can remember um 
so I started racing BMX when I was young, like any kid does that, you know, probably finds himself on a bike. Six, seven years old, and I crashed. I sucked. That's terrible. <laughs> and I never wanted to race a bike again. Like, I'm never coming to the track again. It was embarrassment. I'm crying. I got blood all over me. Anyways, uh, he was like, no worries. It's okay. Like, just, it's okay. I love you still. You did great. Um, and then I got into middle school, and everybody started kind of getting mountain bikes and downhill bikes. And like every middle schooler, you know, does that lives in the mountains and has trails in their backyard. So I rode my mountain bike all around. I started racing. Uh, I did a bit of racing at Sea Otter Classic in Monterey, California, just in my backyard. <clears throat> I raced some slalom, and I raced some four cross, and was terrible at it. <laughs> um, I never did any results or anything. And then he was just gave me the idea, why don't you get on a road bike? Why don't you try r- racing the road? And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's cool, wearing spandex and doing shaving your legs and doing all that stuff. <laughs> um, but just you know, like I grew up watching the tour, and I knew my dad was a pretty good bike rider when he was <clears throat> a young adult, and he's always been the type of guy that said, until you've done something, you can't really judge it. You have to you know, try it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. But it's you know, smart to just try everything in life that's healthy for you once, you know? So that you could really have an idea. So I say, okay, you know, I'm trusting my dad. And so I said, okay, I'll try it. So we were the same size, you know, same height at that time. I'm a little taller now, but uh, he had a bike for me, shoes and everything. So I got on it and I sucked. But there was something about it that I was, I was better than all the other times. Uh, and so uh, I started riding more. And at the time I was a junior in high school and I was playing lacrosse full time and wrestling also, but I was really trying to go to school for a lacrosse scholarship at the time. So I was going to lacrosse practice like three times a week, twice a week, but still riding my bike five days a week. Uh, and it got to the point where I was like, look, like I really have to choose, like, am I going to go to school or do I want to try to ride my bike? Cause now I'm starting to get good at it. I'm starting to see improvements. I'm losing weight. People are, you know, noticing. So as a young man, that's, you know, attractive to you when people start to comment you and, oh, you know, you're starting to look fit and, you know, you're starting to get, you know, skinny. And so I was like, okay, I'll try to ride my bike. And I was doing some grassroots racing in Northern California and I was starting to get some results. I wasn't really winning, but I was, you know, on the podium, top five, almost winning, and at that time, I was racing for Voss Racing. It was a, a local club team in my area, and they really did a fantastic job. A few guys on that team really made sure uh, I got to the races and you know, had a budget to race, and it was really just awesome because without that, I wouldn't have got the springboard opportunity. Uh, later that year, in 2010, I raced for Larry Nolan's old specialized junior development team out of Northern California, and there... Uh, was a fantastic opportunity. I was only on the team for one year and really took full advantage of it. Um, with Larry, I got my first opportunity to race on the national team. Uh, I went and did my first junior nationals and was second in the time trial, I think sixth in the road race and seventh in the crit or fourth in the crit. Uh, I went to Europe, like I said. I also made the junior national team that year and also was second overall in the junior tour de la Bidibi in Canada as a Nations Cup race in late summer before worlds. Uh, so then I was really like, wow, uh, I'm actually kind of a good bike rider, I think. And I think if I dedicate myself a hundred percent, uh, I can be a pro. And my dad was fully behind it. 
and always believed in me and encouraged me. And, you know, with the support of Larry and his connections with the national team and the national team really fostering my international development, I decided, look, I'm not going to go to school for lacrosse. I'm a senior in high school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go back to Europe and try to be a pro because that's where the best guys are in the world. <clears throat> and so at the end of 2010, I signed a contract with the old Cal Giant team, the elite team out of Northern California that's now a sponsor of Axel Merckx's Axion Development team that this every guy on the world tour now rode for them. So I rode for that team for three years and continued my development with the national under 23 team with being directed by Mike Sayers and Marcello Albacini and Jim Miller, um, started to get some results internationally in Europe as a second and third and fourth year under 23. Uh, that was a fantastic block in my life really taught me what it was to suffer and to push and to, you know, grow as a man and, to become cultured in the world, I should say, uh, really made me who I am today, I think, those formative years, and I really have some friendships that I think will last a lifetime from those from those trips. Uh, I signed my first pro contract in 2015 with IRT Pro Cycling, a continental U.S. team out of L.A. That team folded at the end of that year, and then I signed with Astellas, and that took me out of Europe for two years because they were a more domestic criterium-based team, but in 2016, I didn't have contract and I still wanted to race my bike and that was the only job I could find and so I came back from Europe and I really focused on the criterium based side of things and I'm really thankful now in hindsight that I did because I mean if you think about it a crit is just the last hour and a half of a road race and you need to learn how to win a road race and you need to you know have the repetition and the only way to do that is to race 70 crits in a year. And I think in on Estella, so my first year, I won I won almost ten races, and two of them were at the NCC level. And you know, I really started to understand the fundamentals of the finish and the importance of you know X, Y, and Z, and your energy expenditure and training. And I was at the time I was coaching my set my coaching myself in 2016, and everything was really starting to click. And there was a momentum, and I was like, okay, look, like maybe I want to go back to Europe now. Uh, and, you know, give another shot. I'm older, I'm stronger, I'm better. Uh, Lawrence Tendam, who I now rent my apartment from, World Tour rider, awesome guy, kind of a hippie, but not really, uh, just kind of a, a live slow, ride fast type of guy, I should say. He uh, was living in Santa Cruz at the time, and that's not so far from my house, so we were training partners, and uh, I was like, look, like I want to go back to Europe. This is what I did when I was an under-23. And, you know, he's like, okay, like I have some options. Maybe I can help you get back there. And so in 20, <clears throat> at the end of 2016, he reached out to his contacts and was like, look, I have a, an American sprinter. I think he deserves another try uh, in Europe. And so those teams came back and said, look, he needs to win more. His sprint, his, his sprint files are good, uh, but he's not winning enough for us to think he deserves a contract. Uh, so he came back to me and said that. Then in 2017, I made my own team because uh, Astellas ended up folding also, unfortunately. But at the end, like I said, I had my best year I ever had. Uh, I was great. I was developing. I was getting results. I was winning. But I had no team. And so four riders from that team and myself ended up finding our own budget and our own sponsors, and we made a team called Crit Life. 
and we were kind of like the pioneers, the bad boys of the NRC, NCC, PRT, American domestic scene. We kind of did what we wanted because no one could tell us what to do because we were our own bosses. And we, you know, drove around in our team cars with our Sea Sucker Racks at the time, our sponsor. And we just showed up to Crits and partied and won. Like, really. <laughs> I hate <laughs> We just did. We just, whatever races we won, went to, we would win. If we didn't go home with $1,000 each that weekend, it was a shit weekend. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I think I won 16 races that year myself, and the team won almost 40. Oh, uh, and we right. won, you know, we won GCs of, you know, Tour America's Dairylands. I think we won GC of Intelligentsia's Cup. We we were just on fire, man. Uh, and so I went back to Lawrence because I still had that back back burner ambition to get back to Europe. And I was like, look, Lawrence, I won almost 20 races. And I also won – I went to Belgium in the late summer and I won three races in Belgium. So, like, you know, if you can win in Belgium, you can win anywhere. And, you know, I was – one in a breakaway, one in a sprint, one solo. I was, you know, really just all over the map and really on fire and on a roll of my development. And uh, he saw that and he was like, okay, he went back to those teams and it ended up working out that I got this contract. And now I'm, uh, now I'm in Europe and just, you know, racing with Quickstep and Pro Tour guys. And it's pretty unreal. It's pretty humbling, actually. Everyone is amazing. It's, un- it's incredible, the level like the real, the big boy level. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so how did how did you get how did you get um, introduced to fixed gear crits and and how did uh, team specialized rocket espresso happen for you? Yeah, so one of those teammates on that 2016 and 17 team, uh, Aldo Eno Ilicic, um, <clears throat> was racing for specialized rocket espresso in 2016 with Colin Strickland when they were just super dominant. And then Colin moved on to his own team, and Aldo stayed with Specialized Rocket Espresso and kind of became the captain of the team and saw my riding abilities within that last year plus and thought I'd be a good addition to the team. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for him, you know, finding me that spot on the team uh, at that opening level. Uh, and, you know, with, with that door being opened – and me taking to that type of racing, it was really, really fast, really aggressive, really, you know, high profile performance, uh, kind of right on my alley, what I'm good at. Uh, I, I flourished. I, I really had to learn a lot cause I had never even ridden a track bike so much. And then I was, you know, thrown into a fixed gear criterium at night with guys that had been racing for 10 years in this discipline. So it was kind of a fixed gear for dummies aspect uh, but I, it was great. You know, my first year with Rocket Espresso, I, I, uh, I raced all the full, four red hooks. Um, I was top 10 in Barcelona. I won uh, a, a crit in Holland. I won a crit in Italy. Uh, I helped my teammate Stefan win the crit in Brooklyn for red hook. And, you know, it was, I'm, I've, I'm so thrilled to be a part of the red hook community now and the, the fixed gear community because it's such, it's such a different niche, you know? Yeah, it's not sure. like typical – chicken and pasta massage go to bed it's show up at the race see your homies get a beer kick back you know it's about the racing and of course every bike racer and bike rider likes that competitive feeling but it's it's really about the camaraderie and the fun and um this is a different light and it's really really uh comforting to see cycling have that aspect in it right now and a lot of pros and a lot of big sponsors are embracing that aspect actually 
Like, for instance, my Rocket Espresso contract states that I have to attend after parties and pre-parties. I don't know any other paying contract that states that, you know, in the contract. It's a, it's a really, it's a really cool thing, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think, so I'd be interested to get your opinion on what you think, since you kind of have your foot in like the pro road world and in the Red Hook world, I'm kind of interested to get your opinion on why you think that that is growing so much and what you think like road cycling can like kind of learn from that. Yeah, I just think it's uh, people are sick and tired of the one-dimensional aspect of cycling, man. It's just becoming boring. I mean, how how many races can you go to and eat chicken and pasta and go to bed before you're sick of it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, we're you can be a robot for only so long until you need to have some fun. Um, but I really think that mainstream cycling can learn a lot from these new events, Red Hook, Gravel, uh, fat tire, everything. I mean, like I said, uh, when you go to like a pro road event, no one's, no one's smiling. Everyone's there to do a job, which is good and bad. It's nice to know that everyone's focused at work. You know what I mean? Uh, like everyone goes to a UCI 1.1 or HC race because you have a paid contract to race your bike, but that doesn't mean you can't have fun before the race. And it's really frustrating, you know, knowing, the Red Hook side of things so well and knowing um, even the people at these big pro races, you know them outside of the race environment and they're really fun people and they're really cool to train with and they're funny and they're, you know, kind of outgoing and loud and well loud for a road cyclist and, you know, outgoing for a road cyclist that's a pro in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're not like McGregor or anything or, you know, Mick Jagger or a, a rock star, but they're fun guys. And then they go to these events and they're just, cardboard boxes man they're so boring and they're bland and it's not fun and it's like bro loosen up man the race is in the next day at noon <laughs> <clears throat> smile be happy you're at a bike race like we all love this for one reason because we like to pedal our bikes uh show it you know uh that's my biggest thing i think that that uh pro road cycling can take from all these really cool uh micro events that are in the development stages right now that it's okay to just be yourself and to have fun because that's why we ride our bikes. Cause it's fun. And also like a team like specialized rocket espresso, just like seeing like the rad design and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like just seeing, just, just seeing that flare, like it, well, specialized kind of always does that anyway. Like Peter Sagan is always like, you know, most stylish yeah, I mean, rider out there. <laughs> Gone just has that pizzazz. I mean, not just because he's been the world champion, but you know, he, he's himself. Yeah. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. And the, and the best part about it, yeah, he can, he's the world champion. So the world champion doesn't care. What, he cares about his image, which is great. Everyone should care about their image. to a degree. But he's himself and he, you know, on a fake facade for anybody. Uh, you know, I think he really did the sport some justice being a world champion with that type of personality for so many years he really made it cool to ride a bike, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, you look back at like, uh, like specialized rocket espresso, like you said, cool designs, cool, you know, cool. Every, it's cool. It makes cycling cool, man. Like not boring, not bland, not, uh, I don't know, like a door <laughs> or something. <laughs> That's okay, for sure. It's like a party. 
Well, it's funny because like you're talking about like when kind of you were younger and you didn't think road cycling was cool and everybody was like getting into mountain biking and stuff. And then I just think that there was like this stretch of time like where road cycling was not cool. And I think it's getting cool again. Cause if you go back to like Eddie Merckx and you go back to like copy and you go back to like the first days of tour de France and stuff, like it's a brutal, really cool sport. <laughs> and then yeah, some like those guys, but they read ride their balls off for like 200 K's and then drink beer and smoke. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not encouraging smoking and I'm not encouraging alcoholism to any degree. You know, having a beer or two with your buddies is fun. And, you know, if you want to smoke, you're probably not a cyclist. But, I mean, those guys were <laughs> loose guys. You know, there's those posters of you see them all on those dirt roads in, in France and Italy smoking and drinking all in a line. Right. <laughs> all in a, I mean, that's that's cool, man. Like, it just shows so much more backbone and structure to these guys. And now everyone's just afraid to laugh at the dinner table at dinner. You just think, man, do you really like what you do? Or do you, you know, <laughs> go do something <laughs> you smile? Right. No, I think, yeah. that's, I think that's totally true. And then I think there's also just the, the aspect of like a thing like red hook, you know, I've had David Trimble on and, you know, he's talking about the simplicity of it or making it like a, a tournament throughout the day. So people can like follow the narrative or they can just like come in for the main race and just see something. Exciting. Right. Like <laughs> I you felt like your interview, your podcast you did with, uh, with Gabe. Oh yeah. And that was like a really, really good podcast on, on, you know, on all the aspects of Red Hook itself and how it operates as Red Hook and why it's cool. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, you can, you can give an, an individual rider, like it's like, a um, the play, uh, it's like a play, you know, it's, you can give someone like a villain role or a hero role or, you know, it, it really gives structure and emphasis to uh, such a cool happening. I just think uh, Red Hook and track cycling, like, you even look at the six days. I mean, I don't know if, you know, there's not many six days around anymore, but I went to my first Rotter- my six day uh, of Rotterdam last year, and it, it was mind-blowing. I got, the, I got the chance to actually go into the VIP center, like where all the beds are and where all the swan years sit with their riders and all the media and it was it was like a play it was so cool and everybody was like their own individual there and uh i don't understand why road cycling has taken such a a drastic turn to just being so generic yeah i don't know but it needs to change or else it's gonna die yeah i'd hope that it just like explodes again because like it's there everything is there to make a really successful like just interesting sport you know what i mean it really is man and you know like it it lets it really lets you know like at this day and age in cycling winning is nothing anymore i mean you you hear patrick lefevre for the you know the gm of quick step and they won almost 70 pro tour races this year and they still can't solidify their budget like what's that tell you they're too generic they're not engaging with sponsors correctly in the right way to make sponsors feel like their sponsorship dollars are valued to stay in the sport. You know, they're, they're just too basic. Um, I know there's money out there. I, 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 hundred percent there's money out there and this, the whole <clears throat> structure of professional cycling needs to change for a more, I wouldn't say showboy look, 
but more uh, pizzazz, you know, make it cool, make it about, you know, social media, like social media, like for an example, is I think the biggest tool in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's really cool to win. Trust me. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> like winning. Of course. <laughs> but it's, it's also, you know, creating a brand and creating a market for yourself and a value to your name and who you represent and how you represent them and how you engage with your sponsors. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a really, it's a sad thing to not see more riders want to engage with the people that put food on their table. You know, they just take their paycheck and they're, I need to rest and I need to sit on my ass and I, 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 well, let's not forget without the people writing your paycheck, you wouldn't have <clears throat> the reason to sit on your ass and do nothing. So maybe you should show a little bit more respect and a little bit more, uh, uh, yeah, just be more thankful and engage with your sponsors. I mean, that's, that's also a really big thing. I think that's lacking in the sport. For sure. Is that where I you think, go? For, I think that's you go to like, Red. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You go to Red Hook, and everyone is just making awesome content, and everyone is, you know, super stoked for the sponsors, and it, it it's cool, you know, like it's every it's everything road cycling's not, and I think if you had the millions and millions of dollars put in, <clears throat> the teams that are putting millions and millions of dollars in to the road cycling, if you had that same attitude and that same drive uh, i think you would be really uh surprised in the turnaround uh and and you know more teams and more money and more more everything on the on the road side of things so that's what i really also think that pro cycling can take from all these cool pop-up events and you know pop-up uh derivatives of (laughs) mainstream yeah, for sure. I think I think it's really interesting to hear you say that too and just like also watching like kind of following road cycling and stuff and listening to some podcasts and hearing people like criticize you know, some of the more like robotic news outlets out there for spy- cycling, you know, kind of criticizing like Peter Sagan for certain things or or criticizing like Taylor Finney for like posting videos every day or something. I'm like, "Really? That's like how you get the you know, it's 2018. This is how we get the stories out, you know? Right. Like people rip on me for my story on Instagram. My story is dope. Everyone, you know, there's people <laughs> like, oh, you're, you're a, you're a show boy. You're fake. Like that's who you are on Instagram. And I'm like, dude, come to my house and have a coffee with me and freaking know who I am. Then if you want to have that type of idea about me, that's not who I, I'm not some fake guy on my Instagram. I'm me, you know, for that's sure. like, I try to people oh like, you're like an Instagram famous. I'm like, dude, if you delete Instagram, what happens? You don't have an Instagram anymore. No one gives a damn about you. So I'm not Instagram famous. I've just found something that I'm good at, something that I enjoy and something that other people enjoy. And I've ran with it. Yeah. It's and just the reason sharing the stories and yeah, the reason you're criticizing me is because you're jealous. You're a hater because you can't do it. So keep your mouth shut and keep watching my Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to hear about your experience with Specialized and the team and uh, specifically like what happened in Brooklyn for Red Hook and like your experience there this year. And then um, this is going to come out after Milan, but you know, we could talk about like what are the plans uh 
going forward in Milan this weekend and just kind of get your overview of Red Hook this year. Okay. I would say Brooklyn 2018 was not perfect, but pretty perfect. In the sense, yeah, we didn't win. But if you ask who brought the show, we brought the show. If you ask who rode their balls off, we rode our balls off. If you ask who wasn't afraid to lose, we weren't afraid to lose. And uh, I think that's really important to uh, to remember and to and to stand stand by those values. Uh, we were the only ones not afraid to try, and we were the only ones afraid not not afraid to lose. <clears throat> and we only got second and third, which is not so damn bad, you know. Yeah. And we only got second. Half, half a wheel at that. Um, I think the team was damn near perfect. I think, you know, uh, everyone rode to their best abilities given the circumstances in that rain. Um, you know, I think Justin was the better sprinter. Uh, I just think, you know, that day, 14 was just a little little bit better. Um, when we go to a race with Specialized Rocket Espresso, as you know, a targeted race like our Red Hooks, uh, that those are really our bread and butter of our contracts, and really, really the bread and butter of Specialized Rocket Espresso as a whole. <clears throat> um, we have a not an image to uphold, but we we have a, we are the show. You know, we go to Red Hook, and everyone comes to our tent. Why? Because we're the show. Uh, we we also have the extra budget and the extra, you know, finances to be the show. But that also puts some responsibility on the riders. Um, we go to those events. We're very, we're not your, we're not doors. You know, we're not shy. We're not quiet. We are approachable. We are fun. We are in the booth. We are hands-on. We are, we are specialized rocket espresso and that's what we're known for. That's what we've developed our name into being. Uh, I want to say, with confidence and not arrogance, but I think specialized rocket espresso, not just my generation, but from the start of it with Aldo and Colin has probably been the best team to race a fixed gear bike and not just at red hook. But if you want to go ahead and take all the smaller events throughout Europe, you know, the fixed Italia, the NL crit series, the, the series in Quebec, the series in Spain, all the different races, uh, I think we've 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 stomped the ground with our you know stamped the ground with our name and everyone knows when we show up to a bike race we're gonna bring the war but also <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bring the party uh, so that's that's you know and also at the end of the day specialized is known for winning uh, everyone that races for this team knows that and everyone on this team is capable of winning bike races and that's also a reason why we're on the team. We're just not on the team because we can, you know, talk the talk. We could also walk the walk. So it's a it's a full package that Specialized <clears throat> likes to bring to the table. Uh, and I really think it's a really unique opportunity that Specialized sees the value in this fixed gear niche and the fixed gear world, and really wants to invest in it and help it grow. You know, it's really special. I think for a, a, a very mainstream and I feel the best brand to make a bicycle in the world, not just saying that, but I've only been on Specialized for, you know, my whole career except for two years and the innovation and the development and product 
is mind blowing every time you think the bike can't get any better and you're like, wow, I don't understand how you do it, but you know, it's, it's phenomenal all the way around. And so I think when you're around things that are phenomenal, you become phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, now uh, we got specialized rocket espresso heading into Milan and there's only one option, man. We don't go to bike races to get second. I mean, <laughs> you, uh, you, you want to win. I don't care who you are. You don't go to a bike race to get second. You don't think, ah, it's cool if I get second today, man. No, you want to win. You don't train your ass off and suffer and sacrifice and whatever you want to call it <clears throat> to just hand over the win to somebody. Uh, so, yeah, it's the last Red Hook. Justin and, Justin and Alec are tied for the overall we're winning the team GC right now and, uh, you know, coming off the last six weeks of me racing in Belgium at, you know, having almost 10, 1.1 UCI races in my legs. Um, uh, pretty, I'm pretty damn fast right now. So, you know, between Justin and Alec, I know they're, they're also going good. I know old man Schaefer, he's always got the diesel engine ready just to, you know, to rumble. Gus has just wrapped up a lot of endurance. I don't know how snappy he is right now, but he's also uh, he's also been a pro and he has also ride his bike. And I know the two girls on the team, Carla and and Raf. Uh, Raf's the favorite to win, like she won in Milan or she won in Brooklyn. So everybody everybody's really re- looking forward to having fun. But uh, we're we're coming to win. End of story. I think another one of the cool things is that Red Hook is just how many people like you mentioned like content coming out and stuff just how many people like post the youtube videos of their perspectives and stuff so you really get a feel for like what the day is like so i always yeah. love i always love seeing that stuff um, yeah i'm pretty hyped i just got a new uh i ordered the gopro 7 yesterday and i got a new uh dslr camera so i'm about to be firing off my my vlogs like a moth nice what'd you get for your yeah. camera uh i got a six uh a canon uh 5d and I got a 16 to 35 L series 2.8 lens. Nice. I'm a filmmaker too, so I always have to ask. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. Trust me, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm. I can't wait to start making some sick content this week. Yeah, that's right. I can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> so off topic, uh, what are you listening to while you're training right now? On the uh, like when I'm listening to music. Yeah. <laughs> Or podcast yeah. or whatever you're listening to. No, yeah, I, I, uh, it depends kind of what, uh, what I'm doing in my training. If, um, you know, I've done a lot of intensity this last weekend and a half, kind of to sharpen up and, you know, you focus a little bit more on endurance for the roadside of things, but not so much high end VO2 max stuff. So, uh, this, this week I've been banging a lot of Euro trance, you know, high cadence, high B, BPM, you know, uh let's see i'll go to my playlist on my phone in my hand right now so uh yeah fairy corstens uh, hardwell avici this you know a bunch of like euro dance euro trash you know fun stuff like that <laughs> ally and fila uh if it's a really like a sprint workout i got some heavy metal i got some like uh um of mice and men I got like a Treyu, so some really aggressive, like just full gas, in your face, you know, aggression music. And then when I'm just cruising, trying to look good, I got like G-Eazy, Jay-Z, Biggie Smalls, maybe if I'm feeling lit, Lil Pump, you know, 
<laughs> a, lot, a lot of diversity in the music right now for training. So we're almost out of time. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we head out? No, man. I mean, just like I said, you know, I'm really, uh, as an advocate of both sides of the sport, you know, I, I dabble in the road racing and the professional lifestyle and life in general. And then I dabble in the, the fun electrifying fixed gear side of things. Uh, I'm really just, I really hope I have done my job as an advocate in both fields. You know, I, I don't love one more than the other. I love them both for different reasons, but I love them the same. Uh, and I just, I just want to make cycling look, uh, and be as good as it can be, you know, I, I want people, people to see via myself. I want to be a vessel for cycling and really be a light in in both areas and make it look cool and make it look appealing to the younger generation and make it inviting and a place where you can come and, you know, you're, you're, you're liked by everybody and there's no, you can be yourself and you don't have to worry about being made fun of. And it's a very safe place. So, yeah, I, I hope that people can, you know, ever if you see me or if you, you know, you want to write to me and you you want to reach out to me, please. Uh, I encourage I encourage people to do that because I just wanna I want to grow this sport to the best of my ability because it's given me everything in life and I wouldn't be where I am without without cycling and without my you know the people in my my support network and my sponsors that I've developed and acquired over the years. I'm very thankful for for everybody. So uh, if I could do anything for anybody else in my in my best means, please uh, reach out to me. Yeah, do you want to take a second and shout out uh, your Instagram and your YouTube channel and yeah. any sponsors you want to shout out to you? Yeah, um, <clears throat> my Instagram is Emon. It's E A M O N underscore Lucas L U C A S all lowercase Emon. So it's at Emon Lucas. Um, my Instagram or my 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 YouTube is just my name Iman Lucas. Um, same with my Twitter, everything's just Iman Lucas. Uh, just keeps it simple that way. Uh, I want to give a shout out <clears throat> to uh, yeah, all my sponsors, man. They just keep my life going, and without them, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have the opportunities to do what I do, and you know, provide for myself and for provide for the people that I I love and care about. So you know, Specialize is huge in that. Delta Cycling Rotterdam was huge in that. Uh, SP2 Life, Fresh Beer Lena is huge in that. Oakley, uh, Sporks, uh, you know, the people in my life, Lawrence Tandam. Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I am without Lawrence, for sure. Uh, my dad, Jason Lucas, huge. Larry Nolan, phenomenal. Um, you know, the list can go on and on. But, you know, those are really my main benefactors and people that I really feel – that are in my life every day, making sure I'm getting the best out of myself. So those brands and those people are, I'm, I'm forever in debt to. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'd definitely love to have you back sometime. Awesome, man. Well, uh, maybe if one of us win Milan, I can come back and we can talk some shit and get hyped. Right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, th- yeah. Thanks again, Iman. <laughs> yeah, man. Josh, I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. All right, that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to our sponsors, The Bicycle Broker. Thank you to State Bicycles for sending me over that black label kit. Go to savethetrackbike.com. Find us on Instagram at savethetrackbike. 
Tell your friends about this podcast. Leave a review if you like it. All right, we'll see you next time.